This week's story is about Adam Ellenboss and Ashley Latecki Ellenboss. Adam is an astrologer and author and the founder of the Nightlight Astrology School. Ashley is a clinical herbalist and a yoga teacher, and they have a business together called Sky House Yoga. Welcome to We Built This Life. This is the podcast that tells stories about entrepreneurs, freelancers, and other business owners who have built their working lives from that first inkling of an idea into careers that help them make the impact that they want to make on this world. My name is Jennifer Walker. I'm a freelance writer, and I love to hear stories about how people build careers that are meaningful to them. So on this podcast, you'll hear from people who have done just that. They're going to talk about their path to their current work and the risks they took to build their careers from the ground up. Thank you so much for listening today. Welcome back to We Built This Life and episode number six. This week, I'm telling a story about two people who built a business together. Adam and Ashley Ellenboss are married and they have two young children. And although they are specialists in different disciplines, he's an an astrologer and she's a clinical herbalist. They also work together under the umbrella of one business called Sky House Yoga. So up until the end of 2019, Adam and Ashley's business also included yoga. They are both certified yoga teachers, and their business started out with yoga as the anchor. They shifted over time as their other professional endeavors started to take off, and they ended up closing the yoga part of their business. Adam and Ashley will talk more about how they came to that decision because it wasn't an easy one for them. They also touch on how they figured out how to define their different relationships, first as a couple and then as people who own a business together, and honor those relationships. That's been something that they've had to learn to do through years of working together. So they're going to share a little bit about that too. I wanted to mention a few things before we get into Adam and Ashley's story. First, thank you so much to Mercedes Lyson from Memorial La Musique, who was on episode three of the podcast. She connected me with Adam and Ashley, and I'm so grateful and appreciative that she took the time to recommend a few people who she thought might be a good fit for the show. Mercedes is a beauty journalist who also recently started her own podcast called Your Purpose is Beauty that you should check out. She has a nice variety of episodes. There's some critique episodes, some interviews, some Q&As, and it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. Then, I know this podcast is in its early episodes, but so far, the people I have told stories about are people whose work I have had some experience with. I've been a viewer of their content, or I've purchased and loved their products, or in the case of Ryan Sullivan, the real estate agent from episode two, he's an old friend of mine from high school, and I've actually visited him at work a few times years ago, but when he was working in a model home and doing tours there. But this episode is different in that I haven't had any personal experience with Adam and Ashley and their work. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because with astrology in particular, I've only had experience with what Adam would refer to as modern astrology, which for me has essentially been reading horoscopes in magazines or There was this book that I really liked when I was a teenager that told you about your personality based on the day that you were born, but those kinds of things are are the extent of it. What Adam practices as a professional astrologer is ancient astrology, which is much more involved and rich with history, takes years of study to learn. He'll explain exactly what he does in this episode, but in case your experience with astrology has been similar to mine, I wanted to highlight that what Adam does is much more in-depth. 
And the same thing with herbalism to an extent. Of course, I've used herbs in cooking. I'm sure everybody listening to this podcast has, but not to address some kind of imbalance in the body. And when you think about how many plants there are on this earth, and I actually looked it up, the consensus seems to be that there are far more than 300,000 plants on earth at this time. This is another really rich field of study, and it's interesting to hear some examples of how Ashley uses herbs to work with her clients. Finally, I spoke with Adam and Ashley a couple of months ago, and since then, Adam has been transitioning his name to Achuta Bhavadas. This was a name that was given to him by his guru, I believe within the Bhakti Yoga community, at a spiritual initiation that he was a part of maybe a month ago. I'm not a member of the yoga community, of any yoga community, but this sounds like a big honor to me. I'm going to link to a video in the show notes in which Adam talks about his new name and what it means and a little bit about Bhakti Yoga. He has some photos on his Instagram account too from the spiritual initiation, so you can see those there. But for the purposes of this story and for continuity, I'm keeping his name as Adam for the remainder of the podcast episode. But I did want to mention that if you go and look for Adam Ellenboss on social media, or if you go to watch any of his newer astrology videos, you'll likely see his new name, which again is Achuta Bhavadas. It's still Adam, but it's it's just a different name. Now, without further ado, let's get into Adam Ellenboss and Ashley Latecki Ellenboss's story. Ashley the Techie Ellenboss grew up in Columbia, Maryland with a big backyard that was filled with trees. There were lots of woody pathways and trails close by. And this is when she developed her interest in nature. As a child, I was definitely very much interested in plants and spent a lot of time outside in the forests and and hanging out in my little suburban backyard. So I think at a very young age, I became interested in the natural world and plants in particular. So when I went to college and I was able to choose my classes, I found myself choosing classes that had to do with outdoor education and environmental science. And then it just so happened that the school also had a very strong yoga and meditation offering. So I took yoga and meditation classes as a part of my undergraduate studies. So I started off in environmental science, but then after a semester-long hiatus where I traveled around the country, I decided I didn't want to study environmental science, that I really wanted to focus on health. And I really believed that and still believe that in order to help the environment, focusing on people and educating people about the natural world is actually far more efficient than trying to just get in there and clean up, (laughs) which was what I was studying. I was studying more environmental restoration. So I switched gears and started studying the health sciences. My undergraduate degree was in interdisciplinary studies with a focus on complementary health studies. And then I, after that, I got my master's in clinical herbal medicine. After college, Ashley got a job as a receptionist at an acupuncture school in Maryland. That school is now called the Maryland University of Integrated Health, but at the time it was called Teosophia Institute. So Ashley worked as a receptionist there for two years. Then she got a job in their admissions department. And around this time is when the school started their herbal masters of science and herbal medicine programs. Ashley thought the program sounded really cool. And she was so inspired by all the people she worked with at Tia Sophia that she wanted to sign up for this new herbal medicine course. 
it took about five years. And during that time, she still worked at the Institute, but she did sign up for the course and she graduated in 2008 with her master's in clinical herbal medicine. Today, along with working with clients, Ashley also has an herbal apprenticeship program called the Sky House Herb School. So when Ashley talked about what clinical herbalism is, she explained that plants and humans have evolved alongside of each other for years. We as humans process nutrients and adapt to stressors in our environment in a way that is similar to plants. So we have some things in common with them, but plants have been around for millions of years longer than us. So we can learn from them and use them to support our own health. And that can be as simple as using kitchen herbs to address particular ailments or problems within our bodies. So herbal medicine is something that I think a lot of us misperceive as being something that is very much outside of us and that we have to have specialty or certain studies and to use. But really herbal medicine is as simple as for many of us using kitchen herbs and cooking and and eating foods even that sometimes even couple as medicines. And so the way that I view plants is they basically can help nudge and teach and move our systems back to a state of health by using what they have inside of them that helps them survive, which are chemical messengers. So they have a number of different chemicals that work in their systems, but they also work in our bodies. For me, the practice of herbal medicine, when I work with other people, I'm basically trying to figure out what is going on energetically with them. And by energetically, I mean sort of the more Galenic model of, you know, hot, cold, damp, or dry, and using herbs to help balance out their system. So an example of herbal medicine, right outside where we live here in Maryland, there's an herb called plantain. And it's a lot of people just think about it as a yard weed and they'll spray it, (laughs) but it's actually a, a really strong medicinal herb. And it's full of what are called tannins, which are these compounds that gently astringe and draw things out. So it's a plant that can be used for bee stings, wounds, splinters, bug bites, anything where you really want to pull out a toxin or a stinger, or in the case of a splinter, a piece of wood. And so, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can utilize the medicine of plantain. But as a mother, very simply, you can just chew up the leaf and stick it on the wound, and that'll actually create a little bit of astringency to draw out whatever was put in there. So that's just one example of a common way herbs can be used. But then, you know, when I'm in my practice, and I'm working with clients, their issues are often a lot more complex. So, you know, I'm taking a look at their health history. I'm looking at their diet, lifestyle, the amount of stress they have in their lives. And then based on my knowledge of plants, I'll put together a blend for them that works on the physical body using the chemicals in the plant, but also using the energetics of the plant, which is another way that I see the plants is through their signatures, which is a really ancient way of learning and studying and looking at the patterns in plants and plant medicines. Ashley has been working as a clinical herbalist since 2008, but at that time, it would still be a few years until she met Adam and they got together as a couple and they started their business. So let's talk about what Adam was doing up until when he met Ashley. Adam Allenbaugh says he came to astrology in a roundabout way. When he was in his 20s, he did back-to-back programs in creative writing, and he wanted to be an English teacher who publishes his work as a writer on the side. 
But then he had this experience with ayahuasca shamanism. Now, ayahuasca is a brew that is used in Peru and maybe other places, but it's used as a catalyst for healing in these long ceremonies. And to hear Adam explain it, drinking this brew and going through these ceremonies kind of leads a lot of people to this spiritual awakening or epiphany. And after Adam participated in his first ceremony and he had that experience, it kind of changed the plans that he had had for himself. Throughout all of my 20s, I was basically in graduate school. I did back-to-back graduate programs in creative writing and was hoping to be like an English teacher and maybe try to publish on the side. And that process ended up just like sort of like my wife. I had to shift gears as well because I early part of graduate school was struggling with some unhealthy like codependencies, some addictions. Specifically, I was dealing with opiate addiction. And I kind of by chance had a an experience where I thought I was going to basically get high at a party and someone gave me some mushrooms. And rather than getting high, I had a, a very deep, very personal experience. It was something that sort of reset me and helped me to reprioritize. And so because of that experience, I started doing research because I knew just peripherally that there were indigenous cultures that use such plant medicines for a focused intention to learn, to grow, to heal. Just kind of casually while in grad school, I started studying those those traditions, Native American shamanism from different parts of the world, you could say, and ended up in, I think it was like 2003, I ended up in South America, in Peru, drinking ayahuasca, which is a very powerful plant medicine. It's like a potion, like a a very thick, earthy beverage that's made from the leaves of a particular tree and the vine of a particular tree in the Amazon. And mixed together, it creates a very potent sort of psychedelic experience. But it's more than that because it's also a deeply purgative experience. So people go through a, a pretty deep process of kind of cleansing the body. It's a detoxifying plant, but it helps you to understand the, the detoxing that's happening is, is a mind-body experience. So it's an experience that will help you understand some of your maybe more toxic lifestyle patterns or choices that you've made or w- lots of different things, especially helpful for people with addictions. And so you're drinking in a ceremony with a shaman leading the ceremony, and they're singing songs throughout the entire night and it lasts maybe six to eight hours sometimes. I found the experiences incredibly healing. They got me sober. They put me back into a place of health and sanity, basically. And I ended up sort of immersing myself into the landscape of ayahuasca shamanism for about a decade of my life after this. As I continued through graduate school, the focus of my creative writing shifted into basically writing a book about my experiences in South America. And it was through those experiences and through writing about those experiences that I was exposed to both astrology and yoga. The book that Adam wrote is called Fishers of Men, The Gospel of an Ayahuasca Vision Quest, and it was released in 2010. He wrote the first draft of this book while he was in his first MA program in creative writing. And during that time, he was also going to South America during the summers, continuing to pursue his interest in ayahuasca shamanism. This is when he began to realize that his original goal of being an English teacher just didn't fit for him anymore. And he found the next direction he would go in when he met a fellow participant at a ceremony in Peru. Going down the path of being an English teacher and being in the academic world sort of fell apart. I just lost complete interest in it. 
and was more interested in trying to bring my professional life into closer contact with my spiritual life. And I had no idea how that was going to happen. I was in a ceremony one night in Peru, and there was a doctor, a a psychiatrist actually from New York City who was there with me. And I really wanted to go to New York City because I had been making some literary contacts in New York City, and people were showing some interest in, in what I was doing. I told him how badly I wanted to go to New York City, but that there was really no use for all of my education and training in New York City. It was very competitive to get any kind of teaching gig there and so forth. And so during the middle of the ceremony one night, he rolled over to me and he said, I just had an epiphany. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, what, <laughs> what are we going to deal with here? But he goes, actually, one of the residence homes that I work at has an opening for an art and activities therapist. And, you know, I think I could give you a good recommendation. So, He did, and I I ended up moving to New York City and getting a job working for the Franciscans at a residence home that they ran for basically schizophrenic adults who had been on the streets who were going into this residence home, taking shelter there. And I thought, well, this is at least a step towards something different. And I was just focusing on my book while in New York City. It got picked up for publication. Once this book had been picked up for publication, Adam started to explore some other areas of study that he was interested in during his time in New York. So that included doing a yoga teacher training. Eventually, he did leave his job as an arts and activities therapist to manage a yoga studio. But that yoga studio closed around the time that his book was coming out and he was starting his book tour. By that point, he had been involved in astrology for about three or four years, but he didn't really tell people about it. It was kind of something he did on his own. But he had lost his yoga studio job. He was going on this book tour. And this just seemed like the time to try to build his astrology practice and tell people exactly what he does as a professional astrologer, including reading birth charts, which is a service that he offers. When I look at a birth chart for someone, what we're doing is we're looking at a snapshot of the sky at the moment that someone was born, given their location, their time of birth. And we're looking at where the planets were in the sky where they were in the relative to the ecliptic or the zodiac. And there's an elaborate language of symbolism that emerges from that map. And the symbolism in in sort of modern terms is a way of understanding our psychology, our behavior. For example, a lot of people have taken the Myers-Briggs test before and Carl Jung and many of those Individuals who have spent a lot of time with Myers-Briggs know that it's actually has a deep-rooted connection to astrology. So similar idea is that we're looking at these patterns in the heavens and we're correlating them, uh, the myths, uh, the metaphors, and the symbolism of the heavens to the inner workings of the mind and our behavior and so forth. But the patterns are also predictive. And along with the study of astrology is traditionally the study of uh, karma in in India or praxis in Greek, which basically mean the same thing, which is the study of action and reaction with a deep belief that this isn't our first rodeo. Most of the ancient astrologers believed in reincarnation and that our current life situation is to a certain extent fated based on previous actions. And then in addition to that, is the idea that we also have inborn character traits and free will. So the birth chart is kind of a map of your character, as well as some of the features of the landscape of your karma or fate or destiny. And so an astrologer has double duty. We're trying to help people understand themselves through the symbolic language of the sky. And if we understand ourselves, we can use our free will better because we know what kind of character we're playing in this particular lifetime. 
It's like getting into character in a, in a movie or a play that you're in. That's one purpose of astrology. The other one is to give people a sense of what's coming in their life at particular times. So, for example, in my practice, I very regularly, and not to toot my own horn, just to give people a sense of what's possible with astrology, I very regularly do things like predict when people are going to get pregnant, predict when people will be married, predict when people will be divorced, predict when family members will pass, lots of very concrete karmic analytics, the study of which is very sophisticated. A lot of the times when people think about astrology, they think about really superficial things like a sun sign column in a magazine or something like that. This is something that professionals in the field will spend decades really learning how to do, just like an acupuncturist or an Ayurvedic practitioner. It's, it's very deep and sophisticated language when you get to the level of predictive astrology. So modern astrology is really focused on personality profiling for the most part, whereas ancient astrology included both sort of a, a take on your psychology, your behavior, your constitution, like are you phlegmatic or are you melancholic or things like that. So there's always been psychology in astrology, but ancient astrologers had a much more intense emphasis on the predictive capacity of the stars. So they would look at the stars and predict specific events that would happen in a person's life. So that's a big part of what I do as well. But it's always a combination between helping people understand themselves and emphasizing the importance of their free will, while also helping people understand what kind of karmic season they're moving through currently. So my love of astrology at the time had been really in the closet. And then it, as my book tour launched and I went around the country, I decided to kind of come out of the closet about it. And my astrology career just, it took off pretty instantly. And it was right about the same time, like right then I had left my job as a social worker. I was just starting to do astrology and yoga full time in New York City. And I met Ashley and, and that's kind of how it all started, I guess. When Adam and Ashley met, they actually lived in different states. He was in New York and she was in the Washington, D.C. area. But a mutual friend introduced them and they had a commonality right from the beginning. They are both from the same state. So Adam and I are both from Minnesota and we had a mutual friend who was my roommate at the time. And she said, there's this guy out in New York. He's an astrologer. He's really good. And he's from Minnesota too, because she was also from Minnesota. And he, she was like, you should really, really meet him. And I was like, okay, cool. So I scheduled, you know, went to his website and I scheduled a session with him and we were in our session and he looked at my birth chart <laughs> and I was so impressed. I just thought, boy, he's really good at this. So we kind of went back and forth kind of a few times. He reached out to me kind of flirting a little bit. <laughs> and I said, I, I was like, no. And then I ended up going to Peru, not for ayahuasca, but just for my own healing. And he sent me a copy of his book. So I read his book while I was there and I was like, whoa, this guy. And then... <laughs> It was this kind of back and forth. I was so impressed with his astrology, I invited him to come do a retreat with me. We did a raw foods retreat in West Virginia. Yoga too. It was, yeah, yoga, raw foods, astrology. and astrology. So Adam came to teach the astrology classes and to offer sessions. But I just remember when I first saw him, I was like, oh, not only is he good at astrology, he's cute too. <laughs> So when you had the astrology session together, was it over the phone? You didn't see each other? Yeah, no, it was just over the phone. And the funny thing is that I saw her chart. And obviously, in, in astrology, one of the practices of astrology that's quite popular is synastry. How will I get along with this person I'm interested in? 
and I saw her chart and, you know, I'm supposed to be the professional, like helping her understand her chart. And I was like, oh my gosh, this chart is, goes really good with mine. And I really like her voice. I wonder what she looks like. And, you know, <laughs> like very unprofessional of me, <laughs> but, you know, I ended up being my wife. So I guess it's okay. But let's see, that was 2010 that we met. We were both just getting out of serious relationships. So like Ashley said, we kind of chased each other around a bit ended up collaborating in 2011 at the raw food and yoga retreat in West Virginia. And then we started dating in September of 2011. And then by the end of 2011, if you can believe how impulsive this is, we decided to move in together, not just move in together, but also open a yoga studio of our own together. So that, that all happened by the end of 2011. So you just knew, huh? We did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I look back at it now. I'm like, gosh, what st stupid, impulsive young people we were. But I mean, it, the, the crazy thing is that I think like both of us had alternative careers and neither of us had really grown up thinking that we would ever have alternative careers. We were raised by families who did things that were pretty traditional, more or less. I mean, my dad was a, a minister in the church. I grew up a preacher's kid. That played a big role in kind of the, the spiritual path that my life has taken in general. And that's actually a lot of what my book ended up being about. But I mean, I thought in college, I was either going to go and be a minister like my dad, or I was maybe going to be an attorney or something like something fairly traditional. But both of us had taken such unorthodox career paths that I think when we met each other, it was sort of a relief, like, okay, we're not quite crazy, flaky, new age people, uh, <laughs> but we kind of are too. So <laughs> we just felt like, let's join our superpowers because we both were at that point sort of spiritual entrepreneurs. And it was like, we're in love and we both have similar ambitions. So like, let's join forces. And it just came about really naturally. Ashley, what does uh, your family, your parents do? So my mom was a stay-at-home mom for a long time and didn't start working until I was in college. And my father was in the restaurant industry, so he worked a lot of nights. And neither of my parents went to college, so when I went to school, it was a big deal for our family. They definitely wanted me to go a more traditional path. I think they <laughs> kind of were talking about, oh, you'd make a really good doctor or just lawyer and just kind of throwing out all of those. And I kind of knew that I wanted to do something a little bit different. I didn't think that I would be able to do what I'm doing now. Yeah, I didn't either. It was... I thought going to grad school for English and creative writing, a couple of grad degrees, I was like, oh, I'm going to be an English teacher on some level, and I'm just going to be like hustling around trying to publish things, which is what everyone else was aiming to do in my graduate programs. And so it was really like unexpected that either of us would be on the path that we're on. And for me, yeah, I, I started teaching yoga when I was about 22, 23. I got my first certification. So kind of behind all of my sort of day jobs that I had, I was teaching yoga, practicing a lot, and kind of always thought, well, I'll probably be teaching yoga and living in a small apartment with like 10 roommates and like, that's fine. Like, I don't, I don't mind that. That'll be, that'll be a good life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, Ashley didn't go in that direction. She met Adam and the two of them opened Sky House Yoga at the end of 2011. 
Before they opened the studio, they both had been managing other yoga studios. Adam had the job in New York City for a time, and Ashley was working in a studio in Washington, D.C. They both had their own practices in clinical herbalism for Ashley and astrology for Adam, but yoga was this practice that had a place in both of their lives, and thus this commonality that tied them together. And they thought, okay, let's bring our interests together and open our own studio in the D.C. area. So yoga was this unifying factor for both of us that was also supporting the development of Ashley's herbal practice and my astrology practice, but in different locations. So the initial idea was, while we're doing something really similar, like we're both managing a yoga space, we both are yoga teachers, but we also kind of have primary interests in astrology and herbalism that are being supported by these yoga spaces. So let's just bring it all together. So it started off, we rented a house in a downtown area where we converted the downstairs into a yoga space and sort of a waiting area. And then upstairs, we had a few treatment rooms. And then we had our bedroom where we lived. So we essentially lived upstairs in this small house. We ran everything we did out of it. And everything we we offered was donation-based. And it was a really new concept here in the DC area. And so we had a lot of people really interested in coming out and and seeing what we were up to and also being able to take classes that they might not, in, in training programs that they might not have otherwise been able to afford. Skyhouse Yoga quickly took off in popularity. In addition to yoga, Ashley and Adam were offering workshops in acupuncture and massage therapy. They brought in their other interests by offering astrology-themed yoga classes and plant medicine walks. So the studio had a really full schedule. It was doing well. But the biggest challenge for Ashley and Adam is that they also lived in the same space as the yoga studio. So the yoga studio was downstairs, and then they had a bedroom that was upstairs. And while obviously the commute is pretty convenient, you just have to walk downstairs, this also created a challenge for them because their working relationship existed in the same space as their personal relationship within this yoga studio combination home that they had built for themselves. It was a very beautiful setup. We had a, a bunch of really awesome people helping us, and we we really turned this house into a yoga studio. It made cooking difficult because <laughs> the kitchen on the first floor was adjacent to the yoga studio room and the lobby. But if you were cooking, then anyone who's in Shavasana is getting like a whiff of whatever you're cooking. So... It was difficult to cook. We ended up eating it out of Whole Foods boxes a lot, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and then I think the hardest thing was that we really didn't have any space to like, just hang out together other than our bedroom. Looking back on it, we both sort of agree that it was difficult to forge a sort of private bond with the two of us in the beginning because of how much our space was occupied by business. That part of it was something we really had to figure out over time. We were in the house studio for two years, and uh, we were planning on staying there longer, but the person who we rented from came back from an overseas working position earlier than we had expected. It was towards the end of the second year, and we got notice of this, and we were like, okay, we've got to find another space. What are we going to do? And do we want another house-type setup? And we looked at you know, a number of houses in the area that had a little bit of a better kitchen to yoga studio format. Or do we want to have a space that's going to be just for our work and then have a home space? And we decided to go with the latter. We decided we really wanted to have 
two separate spaces. Also, because when you live where you work, it was also hard for us to turn off and to not be working all the time. You know, sometimes it'd be 9 30, 10, and I'd hear Adam's keyboard click, click, clicking away, and mine in my office click, click, clicking away. And then we'd be like, we should probably go to bed. <laughs> so we decided we've got another chance here. Let's change the way we have this set up and see what we can do. So Adam and Ashley found a new place to live, and then they opened their yoga studio in another location. This was in Silver Spring, Maryland, and it was about two blocks down the street from the house we started in, but it was a, a retail, like office building uh, kind of space. If I remember correctly, there were some medical offices. One of the large ones we sort of turned into an apothecary, a treatment room, and a large yoga studio space with a very small little lobby. And you know, the work kept growing in that space, but then we ended up renting a house in Tacoma Park. And yeah, we were able to like separate work and business a bit more. And actually, it was probably within a year then that we ended up getting engaged and, and then married. Once we separated those things, <laughs> you know, our relationship really took a big step forward. We ended up getting married pretty quickly after that. So for a number of years, Ashley and Adam had Skyhouse Yoga in this new location in addition to their clinical herbalism and astrology offerings, and they had kids over those years. They have two girls, Virginia, who goes by Gigi, she was born in 2015, and Summer, who was born in 2018. So for four years, they've been balancing their businesses with being parents, and in September of 2019, taking that into account, they decided to close their yoga studio. This was their first business together, and yoga is such a part of both of their lives that this was not an easy decision for them to make. It was probably the most difficult decision of our marriage and relationship over all of these eight going on nine years. It started with the recognition that, first of all, our herbal and astrological practices alone were enough to sustain us. So it had reached the point where there was enough momentum and sort of clientele and students and so forth just between the two of us and our herbal and astrology offerings that we started to question whether or not it was worth it to continue running a yoga studio when we didn't really need to be from the financial standpoint. But even more than that, it was like once we had kids it was clear that the yoga studio was something that was taking us away from being better parents. And it was just sort of starting to spread us really thin. Interestingly, we were also losing our personal practice of yoga because we were so busy and spread thin between astrology, herbs, our kids, the yoga studio. The thing that was really dropping off was our personal health and our personal yoga practices, which were really the anchor of all of this. I mean, Every year since we've been together, for the most part, we have had daily personal grounding spiritual practices. And so when the yoga's going, you know, it's <laughs> like, okay. So interestingly, in some ways, letting go of the yoga studio was also about getting back to yoga for ourselves. But the other thing to mention is that we've been doing donation based studio offerings for people since we opened. And basically, we had not given ourselves a paycheck from the studio. Now, our herbs and our astrology were supporting us, but we had not given ourselves a paycheck from the yoga studio for, I think it was going on three years. We were out of the red, like we weren't in debt, but we were breaking even. And breaking even, but losing our yoga practice, breaking even, but not having a lot of time with our kids, 
breaking even, but then having to invest a lot of time that we could be investing into our first loves, which, you know, astrology for me and herbalism for, for Ashley, the pressure around this started to mount. And then it really got to the point where this is not like we didn't close because the yoga studio was suffering in terms of business. I mean, we had full classes. We struggled at times to um, keep a really jam-packed schedule, but we we had full classes. We had good offerings. We had great packed yoga teacher training programs that we ran, tons of workshops, great staff of teachers. And it wasn't like for lack of it being a popular place or a beloved place. And we really loved it too. But actually, it ended up being the case that we ended up starting to have to dip into the profits from our astrology and herbal practices in order to support the yoga studio. So it was breaking even, not paying us. Then it was not breaking even, and we were having to pay for it from our astrology and herbalism, even though it was very busy and popular. And that's mostly a result of us doing a lot of things by donation and trying to make things really accessible for people, which had we not had kids, I think we'd still be doing right now because we really did enjoy it. It just came to the place where we were like, we just need to reprioritize because we're going we're gonna to spread ourselves too thin. Now we work from home. My wife has a home office and I have a home office and it's really nice. We have a babysitter who comes in and helps out, but we're in the house with the kids. So it's ideal for us in that way. Yeah, it's kind of coming full circle, you know. Now we we have our work back in our home, but you know we're older and wiser. And, and there's not a hundred people in our. There's house not a hundred people in our house. Just two really loud kids. <laughs> yeah, it feels really like a different phase in our lives and in our work, and it's really nice. After working together for so long, it's probably been almost a decade, Adam and Ashley have some advice for people who are thinking about also working with their spouse or partner. It's funny because so many times we've looked back on how we chose to do everything and thought, gosh, we should have started with building a stronger foundation of our relationship. Gosh, we should have not dove into just like launching a business in a relationship at once and so forth. So it's hard to give advice because I feel like we did things kind of in an impulsive, idealistic, youthful place, but somehow it ended up working out for us. I think that probably the number one reason that working together for us has worked is that we each sort of have our own territory of expertise that we really deeply admire and respect. So we both really just support one another and we're doing something that's different enough where there's never been like competition between the two of us, but there has always been mutual admiration and support. I can't imagine what it would be like if we both did exactly the same thing. I think my own tendency would be to feel more competitive if I was married to another astrologer. But we do things that are just different enough, but just similar enough that it's really worked. But the only thing I could say to people who are couples that want to work together is just make the relationship first and make sure that you could do some healthy compartmentalizing of your life as a couple, non-goal-oriented time together that's not about work. Yeah, I wouldn't do anything differently because we've had such an incredible journey and experience together 
And I think what made it work also was that at the center of our lives was our spiritual life, you know, our, our devotion to our own spiritual practices. And when we first met, those looked really different. <laughs> we had very different ideas of kind of why we were here and what a spiritual practice looked like, even though we were both practicing yoga. But I think over the years, we've come together on that. And I think that's been really good for our relationship, has been kind of joining together our, our spiritual forces and our and our spiritual practices so that now um, a lot of the time we spend as a family is doing devotional work, which has been really, really nice. I also think if I were to have advice for other couples, it would be to think about it as being really exciting to put everything together because there were many times throughout our work together where, you know, Adam's work would be really taking off and, you know, financially he'd be sort of carrying us and then it would switch and then my work would take off and then financially I would be providing more. And so in the beginning it went back and forth and I think we always had a really good spirit about it. Like, wow, I can't believe, you know, your enrollment's there. That's wonderful. And when mine would take off, you know, Adam would always be really, really supportive of me. And so we never let jealousy or anything like that come between us and and really looked at our gains as gains for us together as a couple. So I really want to thank Adam and Ashley for taking the time to talk with me. When I interviewed them, I had some technical difficulties. There was this echo that was coming from my microphone and I couldn't figure out how to fix it. And of course, when that happens, you feel embarrassed, but they could not have been kinder about it. So I'm really so grateful for that. Please head over to the show notes for links to where you can find Adam and Ashley online and maybe read a little bit more about their services and what they do. So one of the lessons I'm taking away from Adam and Ashley's story is this idea of constantly reevaluating your business model to see if it still works for you. So this happened a couple of times for them. First, they were working and living in their first yoga studio space, and they had to think, is this really good for our relationship to have our working lives and our personal lives so meshed together? So when circumstance meant that they had to find a new yoga space, they decided to live in a separate home the second time around and they got married shortly after that. It turned out to be a really good step for their relationship. And then more recently, when they realized that their yoga studio was maybe taking them away from their kids more often than they would like and not necessarily providing for them financially, even though they loved having their yoga studio and yoga is so important to both of them, they made the decision to let it go. Because at that point in their lives, It's just not a part of their business model that was working for them at the moment. What works for you when you start your business might not work one or five or 10 years later. Of course, we're always changing. And it's a good reminder that we need to evaluate our businesses along with the personal growth that we're experiencing and make changes as necessary. And then another thing that sticks out to me from Adam and Ashley's story is that they both had taken on these non-traditional careers before they met. You know, Adam was already studying astrology. He had started taking on clients. Ashley was already working in clinical herbalism. And they had not always envisioned these careers for themselves. Adam thought he would be a minister or a lawyer, and Ashley thought she would go into environmental science. But they found each other, and suddenly their career choices didn't seem so different or other from what everyone else was doing. 
it really speaks to this idea of finding your tribe when you start your own business or endeavor. You know, finding people who understand your work and what you want to do and who support you in moving forward. Adam and Ashley happen to be a couple, but your form of support could be different. It could be friends you make on social media who are doing similar things, or even a business coach who understands what you want to do and has done similar work. Whoever it is, I think it's important for people who own their own businesses to connect with other people who have similar businesses. And then you can help each other grow and expand, or even like Adam and Ashley, just be a support for each other so you don't feel so alone in what you're doing. So that concludes this week's episode of We Built This Life. Thank you so much for listening. I'm always so, so grateful for every person who decides to spend some time with this podcast. I cannot thank you enough. Until next time. Thank you so much for taking the time today to listen to We Built This Life. If you enjoyed the show, I would be so grateful if you went to iTunes to leave a review. That really helps other people find the show and in turn helps the show grow. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook, but mainly Instagram, under We Built This Life. I'm pretty active over there. If you have a story that you want to share, I'd love to hear it. Please DM me on Instagram, or you can email WeBuiltThisLifePodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening today, and I'll see you soon.